you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Darth Plagueis, the Dark Lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi-chlorians to create... Together, we can rule the galaxy as father and son. You may want to rule as father and son, but this here is no place for a Padawan. This is the dark side. This is Sith Dark. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about Star Wars, Star Wars comics, Star Wars books, Star Wars movies, Star Wars TV. We talk about it all. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. the Lord of Lore, and joining me is the Lady of Lore, Lindsay. Lindsay, how the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm doing just well. I know uh, you and I both, I feel like, kind of had some adventures in the past couple weeks. And unfortunately, we were like ships passing in the night in our adventures. So we haven't really gotten to talk because you were away one week. I know you were romantically whisked away by your beautiful wife. I was less romantically whisked away and went to visit my parents in Florida. Um but, but yeah, I feel like we've both kind of racked up some adventures in the past couple of weeks and haven't had time to catch up. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was a fun trip. Me and Sarah had a good time. We went for my birthday, but really, really I like to use my birthday as an excuse for me and her to hang out. And in reality, we're a bunch of losers. So essentially, we went down to Indianapolis, which for us is a two-hour drive. And we stayed at Hotel Ironworks, which is a place that we, we've we stayed at a lot of times. We always have a great time. And what ended up happening was we got um, carrion, and we watched Pretty Women. I have never seen Pretty Women. No kidding. Or Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman? Yes. Pretty, pretty Woman. woman. Pretty yes. Woman. I had Did you never love it? seen it. I loved it. It was so good. It's, it was, it's like, one of those movies where it is a classic for a reason. I feel like people who've never seen it will try to shit on it, but it's it's just a good movie. Well, and I was kind of worried about like, I mean, I don't know. I, I we grew we we all grew up in like really weird times. I didn't know how a rich man hiring a prostitute to go on dates with would add up. Like I thought, yikes, that didn't age well when I started the movie. And by the time I got through the movie, I was like, you know, the premise is still yikes, but the movie is like actually phenomenal. And the way they write it is everyone stands on their own two feet. And I really appreciated that. I thought that was highly surprising on how charming that film was. And then I went to like look into it and it's like, oh, this used to be a dark, like the original script was like a dark reflection of society. And I was like, holy shit, I want to read this script. And I haven't done it yet, but I'm very intrigued to see how that, how that script would work. You know, I've never really read it either or looked into this in a, you know, now that Snopes.com is like a thing. 
Um, that's how much I have not looked into this, but I do know legend always had it that they actually filmed the original darker script where, um, yeah, where Vivian, I think dies at the end and they actually screen again. This is all legends has it when I was growing up kind of like pre snopes.com. Um, but they apparently, screen tested it for an audience and the reaction was so negative that they went back and they reshot the ending for that happier ending. So it had everyone in there. Like it it was the same film. They just reshot like to make it more comedic. Not even, I, I think as the tone, the whole way was my, again, my understanding of how this worked was it always was, kind of more comedic throughout. And then the third act was a little bit darker when her friend comes back and, and needs help or whatever it is. Um, right. And then it went a little bit darker. So they reshot kind of those ending scenes in that final scene. Huh? This might become an investigative podcast now. Yeah. We, out we what was have, the original, the original script? <laughs> well, that, that kind of leads to, you know, I I don't think we're going to talk about it today, but that kind of leads into something that we do want to cover eventually. And I think I've talked about it multiple times. And that is the, you know, Rise of Skywalker versus the Duel of Fates script. So, I mean, like, kind of doing the same thing someday. Um, What have you been, I like to take Brandon's thing sometimes. What have you been Star Warsing? Have you done any kind of Star Wars stuff? Have you been taking a break? How is that working? No, I haven't necessarily been taking a break or anything. I, on a sadder note, I think I mentioned this to you. I had a feeling I was not going to be able to attend Star Wars Celebration this year. Um, so just kind of weighing the timeline for other life events and what I'd have going on. I did kind of have to make that decision about a week ago. Um, so sadly what I have been star Warsing was selling my VIP ticket. Um, and one decision that made it easier was, uh, Fogel and Ezra actually, both of them had to sell their tickets as well. And we all had tickets together. Um, so just unfortunately selling all three of our tickets and bumming out on the, the missing of celebration and bumming out on not getting to see you and some of our other friends, but you weren't going anyway. So that also made it a little easier. Um, but it's, it's so funny though, because the rest of our crew are going for the first time and you and I are kind of the, the resident experts of it. Yeah. The veterans. And yeah. Yeah. And just hearing the way other people kind of get hyped or, or think things are going to happen at celebration and it's just like, oh, man. So so any listeners who are going for the first time this year will warn you the way we're trying to warn our friends. Like, this is not for the type A planner where every single thing is going to be regimented and scheduled out really, really well, unless you do have the VIP pass, because that's the only way to make sure you actually get to everything. Everything else is going to be schedules are announced the week before and then changes are going to be made up until the day of, and you really kind of have to stay very flexible with it. So it's just been, been interesting to watch that. And in a way I'm kind of just like, you know what, as upset as I am about missing celebration, I'm not upset about the week leading into celebration. 
Yeah, and it is funny because I think Drew Drew has been in our um, Clashing Sabers group chat. He has often, you know, kind of voiced like concerns about certain things. And I think the best way to subscribe to describe celebration is celebration feels like Fire Festival, but it's really like Warp Tour or Lollapalooza, depending on what kind of music you like. Like it actually works out, but it feels like a complete train wreck and you're sleeping in tents and you're burnt out and there's mm-hmm. so many people mm-hmm. trying to buy the same fucking thing you are and and you're yep. trying to get in the same line and unless you're unless you have me that who has like done warp tour before and you know that like nobody runs these things guys just fucking go through the middle melt just yeah. go in there go through the main yeah. thing just do it because me and Sam did it we've talked about it forever and it, it, it was a lot. Don't actually do that. Like, just be, be respectful. But like, in all honesty, it is. Also though, in terms of, of no one running the show and being respectful, I always want to point out too. be nice to the read pop employees. Yeah. They They're don't... doing their best. Most yeah. of them go from literally convention to convention and they have just a couple of nights sleep in between and they kind of show up to a place and know then what convention it's at. And, and, they're and every event to... changes. Like they, they are literally yeah. trying to, they are probably getting emails about the changes two hours before As they go we in. Are. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I be think... nice, be nice to be respectful to the repop employees. They work hard. They want you to have fun. They're, they're trying to figure it out just like you are. So in short, what you're saying is, all four of us need to do an Obi-Wan watch party live. I think so. I I actually really do think that's the case. I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, well, we're not going to Celebration. Me and you will probably be doing something special just because it's... I, I haven't... I'm not speaking for you, but in my mind, because I'm missing out on Celebration, I do want to cover it a little bit more. And I would like to try and, you know, do one of those things where we're getting our Star Wars fixed together, but we're, because we can't go, we're at least getting that. And I think that, you know, nothing is set in stone, plans, stuff like that. But I think it would be really cool if we all tried to, like, live stream Obi-Wan together. I think, does does Disney Plus, I think they do yes, they have do. a watch party feature, right? Yeah, yes, so we do. should be good. Yeah. So maybe we can even find some kind of way to make this a Patreon thing too. And and if you're, we'll talk to B. We'll see if maybe if you're at the Patreon level and you're not at Celebration, if you want to join us for that live watch party. Um, so stay tuned for that because I'm literally just thinking of it off the top of my head and still have to. No, but I, I, I think it's a good idea. Logistics. I think it's warranted and it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Just like kind of actively live streaming this stuff, talking with you and because you're in New York and I am in Indiana, um, we can't be in the same room as much as I would love to. And Obi-Wan is such a big event for me that a lot of people would probably prefer to watch it. You know, some people prefer to watch it isolated by themselves, everything like that. I've done a lot of thinking about it and I think it would be really awesome if me and you watched it for the first time live stream. 
together. I at the very right. least, like I at think the, you're right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a huge deal for me, and and I can't get this whole Obi Wan thing out of my brain. It's been like ticking at me. It is. I am. I have not been so excited for a Star Wars thing probably since The Force Awakens. Since I saw Rey and her staff and was like, oh shit, what is that staff? That is how excited I am for Obi-Wan right now. And with that being said and talking about Celebration and our plans, I guess I'll move it into... Uh, there's a news. There's a Star Wars Newsnet released an article talking about Celebration, and they were saying that Star Wars Celebration massive live action movie and series panel announced for Thursday, May 26 to kick off convention, and that that's good news. And we're all kind of under the assumption that they're probably going to see Obi Wan early, earlier than us. With you, and I would imagine. Yes, with Ewan. Um, I want to move that into, since that seems like a no-brainer, I want to move that conversation into, what do you want out of Celebration? What do you expect out of Celebration? Uh, You know, fan wish, realism, expectation, bare minimum, Mm. all those things. Because when I look at Celebration, I think that Celebration has done an amazing job minus the year that they were releasing Rogue One in which they gave like a Mm -hmm. behind the scenes uh, trailer that was more like a reel in London. That was like the one time that they have waffed. Everything else has been amazing. In hindsight, I think that had more to do with the fact that they were going through so many reshoots where they didn't have anything concrete to show. So it makes sense. But to your point, yeah, it was a bit of a wash. Um, Honestly, I would say it's it doesn't sound like crazy speculation or anything, but really that that Kenobi watch party and giving us a little bit more insight into what the series is going to be. Because even though, yeah, you and I won't be there Thursday night to watch it and, and have that early access screening, assuming that happens, they're still going to release the details of what's this series really going to be. They're going to have more insight for us. So that's exciting. I would honestly say, though, that the... The best and biggest panels, in my opinion, have always been either absolute, complete, and utter shocks, or I don't know how to say this because it's not so much complete and utter shocks as to what they're announcing, but with the amazing detail with which it's announced. For examples, um, The Fallen Order panel was one of the best I've been to and I was excited for it I was excited for a game I didn't think they were going to pull out all the stops the way they did for that panel and hype up the game as much as they did so I would love to see more stuff coming in about video game plans and kind of a, a little bit more of a roadmap for that um, but but essentially just more detail for the story there um, some other really big panels that, that always stick out to me have been uh, when they when they announced it was going to be the final season of Rebels and building speculation that you know Ahsoka lives. Um, so so all of those things where to me that panel was more of, hey look here's this panel for Rebels. It's it's going to be a little sneak peek into season four, 
And we got so much out of it. So I don't think the biggest panels have necessarily been what we ever expected them to be. It's just that they drop these nuggets of information in them. Yeah, I think surprises are, you know, a staple in celebration. And when I look at, um, what was it? Orlando 2017. uh, That one didn't really have surprises when it comes to like movie news. But what it had was the 40th anniversary surprise with like John Williams peering behind. Like I was probably 30 feet away from John Williams at that point. And that was a huge surprise. If you were there, it was a huge spectacle. Seeing The Last Jedi, that was great. But I think Chicago was probably, while it felt in the moment, like a dumpster fire when you have all those updates on like the lottery and some people probably have a different perspective based on what you got. I felt like that was the best celebration that I had been to because there was a lot of exciting things. There was these surprises. There was a lot going on with Disney plus and the Mandalorian. It feels like ages ago that, you know, we were getting our first 10 minutes of Mandalorian. Um, but I think what I need out of this celebration more than anything is, and I'm, I'm probably different than most people, but I prob- what I need is assurances. I need to know what's going on with the movies, and I need to feel like there's a plan. And that's just me, and listeners are probably like, oh, I want to hear something exciting. I want to hear some, some surprise like you had stated. But really what I want to know, I just want to make sure that like something is happening with movies. Like Taika's movie is happening, mm-hmm. or Patty Jenkins' yeah. movie is happening. That's a yeah, huge deal. Honestly, like I've, I've said this before, too. I never really take Star Wars announcements when they're at D22 or when they're in board meetings. Like, I don't really take those as concrete or as Bible the way I do when it's something at Celebration. I don't think they've ever really announced something at Celebration that did not come true 100% the way they said it would. And I mean timelines. I mean partnerships. You know, the... the um, in Chicago at the last one when they uh, did a, they did so much and they really gave us a ton of access into um, Galaxy's Edge. Like there were so many big and small announcements there that came to fruition. Every single thing worked out the way they said it would. Yeah, and that's a pretty important thing. Like when it comes to that celebration, a lot of things did work out. I mean, and the excitement of that celebration was there. I just, I don't, to me, that was like the best celebration. There was a lot of things that were writing up to it. You know, you had the Rise of Skywalker, that epic trailer that they released, the excitement of Disney+. Plus. Do you yep. think we're going to get, what movie do you think they are going to prioritize with an announcement? Unrealistic I to tell. Say the, no, I, I want to say the Taika one because it's been so quiet. I think right now if they focus on the Patty <clears throat> Patty Jenkins one, there's been too much volatility for it that I don't think we're going to get anything super concrete or have anything to show us. I'm really hoping that because things have been so quiet on the Taika front, but it also hasn't been rumors about like 
look, this isn't happening or someone new is taking over. I'm hoping that the hush-hushness of it all is a very good sign and we'll get something real uh, at Celebration. Yeah, me too. I, I guess when it comes to the movies and how I feel, I just want... I just want to know that something is happening. There's some kind of movement. And while I feel like personally my Star Wars fix is being met when it comes to certain books that are coming out, when it comes to TV shows, I feel like as a fan, I don't know where we're moving next. Because when you look at like the Padme book, okay, and so far I'm, I'm not finished with it. I really like it. It's great. That's in the past, the prequels. The Mandalorian, to me, is in the past because we now have the current, which was the sequels. I want to know where we're moving forward to next. What is the next chapter of Star Wars? I think it's tough to tell because they could go anywhere. And my inkling says High Republic because we're hearing more and more about the High Republic, like games, um... There's like a kid's show coming out. We're hearing more that they might possibly do a High Republic script. I don't know. I just want to know where we're moving forward and what is the next step in Star Wars. Because while I'm enjoying the the stage that we're in, I love the last High Republic book. I'm loving the Padme book so far. I love what we're going to get with The Mandalorian. Obi-Wan, I'm so excited for. I just feel like Marvel has done such a good job at knowing kind of the tone and where we're heading when it comes to the MCU. Like, I can always, like, be excited for the tone of what we're doing next. Spider-Man or uh, WandaVision started this uh, reality warp, and that was exciting. And they said, well... Spider-Man No Way Home is going to kind of add to that. And then Doctor Strange is going to kind of answer all that. And that was so exciting to like kind of know where the tone is going. And you're kind of seeing where the TV show's tone is going. And it's like in Star Wars, there's pockets and that's great. But where is this? Where are we going? I don't know. Yeah, and it's kind of a, a for better or worse. I think that they intentionally kept it where we don't know because it gives them more leeway. It gives them more room to play around where when they dec- make that decision, I don't see any scenario where it's going to be like a really hard pivot, right? I don't see any scenario where it's going to be, oh my God, I've never heard of this arrow. What could possibly be happening? We need to fill in all of the blanks from scratch. I think that... They, they set it up and, and they have quite a few playgrounds going on where whatever the big announcement is in terms of where we're headed next, it's going to be grounded in something we're familiar with. It has to be at this point. And see, I'm kind of hoping that it is something that feels completely new. What would that be, though? Like, where, where do we still have, unless we flash forward 100 years in the future... See, I think to a viewer and cinematically, while we have watched or we have seen or read the comics, read the books, and we know a lot about like kind of how the High Republic feels, 
I think the High Republic is a very valid candidate for something new, something that feels different and is a different world. But the problem is with the High Republic that I have is while I enjoy the books, well, I think we're going to get a series about it. Well, I'm loving the comics. Prequels are very dangerous because you always know how things end up. And I think there's a way that they can do the High Republic where it feels like its own world. It's completely different and we can see the shadows and the groundwork and that's always fun to watch. I think the only way to move forward with Star Wars is by going in the future. And I don't think 100 years is good enough. I don't think I don't think it pays off. I think I I was kind of thinking about this today, and when it comes to The Rise of Skywalker, which I'm still not a fan of, I've tried so many times to be a fan, I think the only way to pay off the legacy of Luke, the legacy of Rey, Anakin, Clone Wars, Rebel versus Empire, Resistance versus First Order, the only way to pay off that era is to completely start fresh with something new in which, and I I said this before Rise of Skywalker, when, um, what was it, D&D were still supposed to be doing a Star Wars series. And that's... (laughs) Way back uh, when, before they ruined everyone's lives and careers. (laughs) Yes. um, The Old Republic is so enticing because it's so far removed in in the past that everything that you do... If the galaxy is in turmoil by the end of it, it is removed. If it ends up in peace, it's prosperous for a long time. Star Wars needs to move into a place where those events of what has already happened are remembered and they are legends and they are known. But they're so far removed that it creates a story of its own. Hmm. I'm kind of tired of... Obi-Wan is the last thing that I need when it comes to any resemblance of... of familiarity. I don't I don't know what more we can do. And I, I think that, like, obviously there are writers that can make things written really well that is going to change my mind, make me very excited for it. I get that. Like, any anything can be made good. You can make a movie about Ted, the the empty beer can that comes to life. And if somebody's smart enough, can write a compelling script about Ted, the empty beer can. That's cool. But when it comes to Star Wars, it's like I started the Padme book, um, Queen's Hope. <laughs> they start out on Tatooine. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me with Tatooine. You gotta be shitting me. I feel like, like I feel like me and Mark have talked about this too, where it's like, are we done yet? How many things can we really center around this one thing, this one place? It's not even that. It's gotten to the point in Star Wars where like every day in Luke Skywalker's shoes is an event. Yeah. Yeah. But alright, so so hear me out on this though, because um, if you listen to the latest episode of uh, Don't Burn the Sacred Text, where we, we close out phase one, Brandon and I close out phase one of the High Republic, and we end with, um, oh, goodness gracious, uh, Midnight Horizon. Um, we actually got into kind of this this 
familiarity aspect and what's a good range. And we both kind of agree that the the High Republic flashback span works pretty well in terms of, you know, it's just a few hundred years because there's a couple things to think of. It's very different to look at our society today and say, how is this relative to, you know, Mayan civilization or ancient Egypt? Like that's a, that's a big, big, those thousands of years, thousands of years, things become very unrecognizable. Whereas if you look and you say, okay, how does this relate to today's society relate to colonial times or the industrial revolution? Like there's kind of a sweet spot where things seem new and things seem creative and inventive, but there's a familiarity where you can compare it to what you already know and you have that, that basis. I also think in Star Wars, there's... The advantage of, and and I would not necessarily want this for a flash forward in any in any terms, um, but I've been proven wrong before, and I wouldn't mind being proven wrong again. I like that in High Republic, a few hundred years in Star Wars is still close enough where you can have species where there's characters that you know that you don't have to focus on. So my point on that episode of Don't Burn the Sacred Text was, look, I like that this is not a Yoda story. I like that Yoda is not a main character in any of these stories, but he's kind of mentioned and you know he's there and there's there's a little bit of, I would equate it to going away to college for the first time and you're leaving your friends and family and everything you know, but there's that one kid who you're not friends with that you went to high school with that you still kind of see on campus. You don't have to sit and talk to him. You don't have to party with him. But it's kind of nice just to be like, oh, hey, you know, it's it's Joe from high school. I see him. I, I feel a little bit more at home now. Something seems familiar. Um, so I do like that thought of if we only go a few hundred years in the future, there's the possibility to have a character that we know that we don't have to know incredibly well and we don't have to stick with but there there's something there yeah and i i think that's i think that's probably what we're gonna get because based on where star wars is going we go on new frontiers but we also kind of introduce some familiar with it it's it's um, it sounds mean when I say it like this, but it's not meant to be. It's almost as if Star Wars is afraid to be fresh. And that sounds mean, but it, it, it is kind of true. They like to, when they do something new, they like to have something familiar. And I think Yoda is a very warm hug for people to have when it comes to it, which is why the High Republic makes sense. And I think it's gonna. I, I think that's realistically where they're going. There seems to be a lot of success where they're going with that, and they seem to be happy because they keep producing more. I mean, if if the High Republic wasn't doing good, they they would have canceled it, or they wouldn't have continued to create these onslaught of books. Yeah. When it comes to the 150 years thing, narratively, at least based on books and the authors that we have given. It does make total sense when it comes to storytelling, and that's why I'm not worried. I, I think there is 
when it comes to the High Republic, there has been enough shroud of mystery that we are missing and these current characters are missing that it's totally okay for us to go back in time and discover maybe what they haven't yet and then getting to watch that play out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a few ways you can take it and there's always going to be advantages and disadvantages and... and... To your point, I, I agree with you with Star Wars where I don't I wouldn't say it's they're afraid to be fresh. I think they understand their market more that they need the connections. Um, but it's it's coming to light more and more why they were so, you know, when when we started getting Rogue One and Solo, they were so clear to differentiate between a Star Wars story and a Skywalker story. So I think they're they're gonna have to continue with Star Wars stories more so than Skywalker stories. So it's it's gonna be weird to see what that next movie is and and if and how it relates. I would not be surprised either way in terms of flashback, flash forward. Um, I I don't think it's gonna be in the mix of the Star Wars saga timeline. Um, but but I mean, look. Brace yourselves either way, and and it could be fifty years in the future. It could be fifty thousand years. It's Star Wars. The the setup of it truly, truly does make the possibilities absolutely endless. Give me fifty thousand. No, I'm just kidding. That's a little. That's a little too <laughs> no, removed. Not. But I would take five hundred years at least. Like, yeah, I think five hundred is a very sound because I've always equated Star Wars time as like two hundred years in Star Wars. Techno, like technology politics all of it is really like 20 years yeah yeah for sure <laughs> like the only thing that dies is humans in in that timeline they only create timelines oh my for God. people to the, die off that is the, it the technology see the freaking scene in um in boba fett where he's like you know a lifetime for you is or or a lifetime for someone else is a short time for you and it's just like oh my god we're all like their version of dogs I mean, yeah, we are. Um, when it comes to celebration, I think my most anticipated thing for celebration is, one, what the hell is Claudia Gray working on next? And two, <laughs> and two is, are we going to get any more announcements on the flavor of the Acolyte? I think the Acolyte is, for some reason... I mean, we, we've we gone on so many tangents about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we can't afford to, like, completely just keep going here without any anything going on. But it's funny because while I do this show, I spend a lot of time listening about, like, movie news, how Hollywood politics work. The Ezra Miller situation is, like, on fire right now. And it is so like popcorn esque to just sit there and, and watch. Um, I love like movie news, movie politics, stuff like that. That 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 fascinates me. How studios react, budgets, box office, all that kind of stuff is great. And so I pay attention to like kind of what normal film people watch. And the acolyte is starting to feel much like an indie film, much like Obi-Wan, like when it comes to like TV series, the acolyte and Obi-Wan both feel like indie films to the cinema community. It's getting like this weird, um, not Oscar vibe because obviously TV shows don't, don't go to Oscars. Um, but it, it has that kind of, 
what is the word? Um, it has that kind of aura around it. The Acolyte and Obi-Wan have this weird aura in which writing and ideas seem very interesting. And so I'm really hoping, we've been getting casting uh, slowly with the Acolyte. I think the Acolyte is my biggest thing when it comes to celebration. I just want to know when the show's filming, when it's shooting, when it's going to happen. Just like a little detail on what's going on. If, If I could get that, I think that's my biggest celebration takeaway because we already know what we're getting with Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. But with the Acolyte, I really want to know what's going on with that. Yeah, the and and I don't think it's going to be like, you know, here's this sizzle no. reel. No. I I think what's more likely is we get a for lack of better words a Disney Plus panel where they're going to give us little snippets. You know, I think it it'd be like 90 minutes and of all of the new shows coming out, they spend, you know, 10-15 minutes hyping hyping up each one. Um, so if it's some kind of plot, um, introduction, if it's some kind of, here are the actors coming into this, here's the directors we have. I think it, I think we're going to get some kind of solidification on all the shows coming out. I'm just not expecting like, Hey, look, I know you have a ton of answers about the acolyte. Here's everything you need to know. Um, I, but I do hope it's presented in a way where I, I honest to God, man, I feel like you and I are two of the only people consistently thinking about and hyping up the Acolyte. I mean, maybe in the realm of clashing sabers, but when it comes to the Star Wars fandom, I don't I don't like to over-listen to outside sources. Like, when it comes to, like, you know, maybe Star Wars Theory, Star Wars Explained, stuff like that. All of those things are, you know, I, d- I don't want to have their ideas become my ideas, like you said in previous exactly. episodes. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to other film communities, it is very much the Obi-Wan and the Acolyte that these people are talking about because there's such a drive and interest to those shows that the originality behind what they could be just seems so much bigger. And I think everybody's excited for everything that's slated when it comes to the Star Wars TV shows and which, you know, credit to them. They're doing great because whenever we get Andor information, stuff sounds really good. Everything's checking out. People are excited. When it comes to Ahsoka, everybody's excited. Mandalorian Season 3, obviously. I think the consensus of Boba Fett Season 2, possibly, question mark, um, should probably greenlight that because of the viewership. I think people are iffy on that, but like it's going to be fine regardless. Um, they built a good reputation. But I think those two are where the originality really comes from. Um, Seeing where those stories go and of the film community that I've paid attention to is very excited. Um, So my next question would be, have you listened to Queen's Hope at all? No, I actually was planning on after recording this to take a little stroll downtown to pick it up. Actually, okay, all right, sounds good. Yeah. So we will have to yeah. talk about. So that I think next it's going to be a, a yeah. I think it's going to be actually a late night of banging that out, and hopefully I'll be, <laughs> be done with it by tomorrow night. I said a bang, 
bang, a bangity bang. bang. I said a bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Uh, well, I will tell you that I am two hours into the book, and it is much like the last two novels in the best way possible. Yeah. There is a lot of heart. Okay. There's a lot of emotions. The handmaidens are so perfectly written. And what I really love about it so yeah, far... Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what, what I think we've come to expect, for better or worse. Yeah, and I think... What is really cool about this book that I'm noticing is they're kind of like doubling down on how much espionage Padme has and her legacy that she um, kind of offers between reading the Vader comic last night upon recording and then starting this book today. Star Wars is really starting to like double down on the legacy of Padme Amidala. And I think that's really great. Um, I think it's phenomenal, and I think it kind of adds to her memory and everything that she brings to the table, because while Leia is the real focus of what it takes to be a rebellion, Padme is the genetics of that. I think you don't have Leia without Padme, and Padme is the first of that lineage to really spark that fire. And while she does it in her own way, it's great to watch out, which is why I've always loved those books. I, I get that not everybody loves the Padme novels, but I've always found such heart in them. And I've always seen more of Leia in Padme in these books, but also a tender heart that, that wants to really do what's best for the galaxy. And so I think that you're going to love this book because while me and you tend to talk about Jedi, Sith, Dark Side, prophecy, very serious tones, what I love about this book is that it's not that. And these series of books already, they're just not that. Yeah, I mean, it's it goes along with uh, she absolutely amazing tweet uh, the other day about how, you know, basically she's she's back with a third book where the character development is the plot. And I like that. And I'm really refreshed to get back to it because as much as it's so weird because going into high Republic, we kept saying an amazing thing. It was going to be to have a break from the Skywalker saga and, and have these different stories. And now it's been, again, we were, we were talking about this on the last episode of uh, don't burn the sacred text where it's like, all right, I'm I'm ready to go back now. Um, I'm excited to go back. I'm I'm excited to have something a little bit different. But I think the books do and always have done what we give Marvel so much credit for with the MCU, where it's here's these different stories. They're going to play around in different ways. They can tie together, but everything is so tonally different. And there's going to be something for everyone. And it's nice that if you're not crazy hyped about one of these stories, all you have to do is wait a month and there's going to be another book that comes out that might be, might be more for you. And no one has ever has to say like, I hate star Wars books. They just have to say, I hate the Thrawn books. I hate <laughs> the high Republic books or, or whatever it is. Um, but there's kind of a little something for everyone. So yeah, I'm, I'm always, excited for the author panels and and tying it back to what i would like to see happen at celebration i would like to now that high republic is underway and people after the sizzle reel for high republic have such a good understanding of 
who these authors are and what it is they might be working on. I would very much like to see the authors get a true main stage panel at Celebration because to the best of my memory, that is something that has never happened. Yeah, and I think it's something that needs to happen, especially if if they're going to announce a High Republic movie or yeah. anything like that because I think I think for most like casual fans, Star Wars is doing great on the TV side and I think they're doing amazing personally myself um but when it comes to the books they're the ones that are carrying the hardcore fans i think that yeah the they strategy really are. yeah successfully they, yeah well yeah and i mean it's like i get i i think that when it comes to my star wars love jedi fallen order was a phenomenal story that i really got a lot out of the Mandalorian was great, but when I think about my most fond Star Wars memories in the last 10 years, it has to be from the books. Whenever I think about my greatest Star Wars moments, I think about being on a roof, painting a window, very high up, but I was listening to Lost Stars for the first time. Or I think about being in Winnemac, Indiana, checking out my first Star Wars Audible, listening to Bloodline for the first time. My fondest Star Wars memories are the books, and these writers really do carry the team when it comes to adding the heartfelt. And, and, and you know, the, the pessimists can say, well, they're just putting, they're filling all the pieces in. Their job is to make the scripts of the movies and the prequels better. And while that might be true to add a little bit more heart into things or a little bit of a different take into certain things, they do it so beautifully well and so organically that it feels earned. Like when I'm listening to this Padme and the and the Handmaidens, it feels very organic. That first book, when they're writing around the Phantom Menace, I've, I've read other books that write around Phantom Menace, Dark Plagueis. It's great. It has a great tone. It's evil as fuck. It's a mafia movie. Placed as a book, and then when you read the you know first Padme book, where it's all about Padme and the Handmaiden's point of view of the Phantom Menace, it has so much heart and it adds so much character to who these people are, and they do it so beautifully well that if you are a pessimist, you can say it was well, yeah, they just wrote around this area, but it feels so organic that it fits right in and it's so beautiful and I love what they're doing especially with the Padme books and countering with the Darth Vader novels or uh, comics I think the current Darth Vader comics where they're using Sabe a lot in those comics is phenomenal and what it's doing to Anakin looking at a Padme lookalike every time he sees her and the way it makes him spin and page and and um quotes and everything that's going along in that story they tell it so beautifully well that he is an evil man but he's seeing padme and he's spinning and then going to the, like because i literally just finished the latest vader comic and then going into the padme book you're dealing with two different anakins and it's so much fun to watch so the writers really carry Star Wars for me. You know, you're not wrong. And and I would almost agree with you so much that I think it's your initial point that I would I would take argument with the most of 
the people who say that the the authors are there to just give a little bit more and add a little bit more to what's already established in the movies and in the TV shows. In a way, I don't think that's the case at all. You know, look at look at people like Sam who so passionately relate to Alphabet Squadron. Like that has nothing to do with the the movies. That has nothing to do with the TV shows. That's something all and completely itself. So while yes, I do think where where me, you know, my my favorite book because I believe it's the most well written is Phasma. Yeah, it adds a little bit more heart to really? the movie, but that's oh yeah, oh boy, do I love Phasma. Um, you know, but I, I don't, I don't think it adds anything to the movie. Even I don't, I don't go into, oh, you know, one of the movies and and rewatch all of Phasma's scene. Like, oh my god, this is the best character ever. Do I appreciate her a little bit more? Sure, but but all in all, the Phasma story is a great story. I don't need her to do anything extra and I don't need this to explain anything in the movies in order for me to sit there and just say, this is a great and well-written story. I'm getting very off topic. So, so what I'll say is your comics, (laughs) is there even a topic anymore? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. And I think that's the beauty of the show. Sometimes we talk about deep dives about prophecy. Sometimes we just kind of like let things go where it, where it must be and you know depending on who's listening it's one of those things where you just kind of like go go kind of crazy when it comes to star wars because honestly my brain's been kind of wild and i say that uh when it comes to we need to write around why so and so did what that is the outside pessimist perspective i still believe that the writers have a really good reason to write that story and I think it's amazing but from a pessimist standpoint when they're reading the backlog of the book that's what they think and what they get is so much more but it's really funny that you mentioned Phasma because I've been thinking about Phasma a lot lately and (laughs) I've been thinking about how truly original that story was and how I did feel jaded by the end of The Last Jedi how her story ended but I still feel very rewarded by that book. Yeah, but that's a, that's the perfect that's example. That's funny. I never knew that. You, that. That was you your favorite novel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. Um, but that's that's such a testament to what authors like Delilah Dawson can do, where you feel shorted by... If if someone is sitting there saying the the books give more heart and soul to movies and that's their main point and that's why we have them, then what would really happen is Phasma is already a character that you love and adore and you're so happy with her arc and it just kind of sprinkles a little bit more on top. Whereas in reality, what Phasma does is take this character who is almost a throwaway character. And and that's nothing to to knock on J.J. Abrams and, and certainly not Gwendolyn Christie, who I adore. Um, but it's just, you know, that, that character was there to serve a very specific purpose and it was served. And be, to be able to take that so separately... And build out such an amazing character where you read this book and you go back to the movies and you say, I'm disappointed with the way this ended. That is not a story that gives a little bit more heart and soul to a movie. That's a story that is the story. I completely agree. And when it comes to Phasma, I would say that is one of those things where even though when I look back on Phasma in the movies, 
it is very much can seem like a throwaway character, but her story in that book is absolutely phenomenal. I've never been so locked into a story in the way that I was with Phasma, particularly because I didn't expect anything out of it. And I got so much out of it. And I still think it's one of the most original styles, whether it's my favorite or not. I think it's very original what they did with her story. So I'm forever grateful of that. And I've been kind of like thinking about revisiting the Phasma novel just because it's funny you mentioned that. I did not know that was your favorite. Um, But it is something that I've been wanting to revisit. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. It's probably not only my favorite Star Wars book, but one of my absolute favorite books of all time. It's it's just so good, so captivating. I love the you know Star Wars aside. I just love the style and the the intensity yeah. and the rhythm with which it's written. Well, maybe you're. Maybe I'm gonna. Have, I I think actually I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit it, and we're gonna talk about it later. We're gonna do a oh, Phasma yeah. revisited episode of oh, Sith. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. And with that being said, guys, that is the show of Sith Talk. Um, where can you find Sith Talk? You can find Sith Talk under the Clashing Sabers podcast feed. You can talk more Star Wars with us on the Clashing Sabers podcast group. If you would like to talk to us, we have an Instagram page under, you guessed it, Sith Talk. If you want to talk to me personally or just see what I'm up to, I'm normally up to anything Star Wars lately a lot of music stuff related um comic books and barbecue you can find me at sith talker 25 Lindsay, where can they find you you guys best place to find me is actually going to be over on the clashing sabers facebook group uh feel free to go in there check out some of the discussions there and if you really want to chat with me about anything specifically or want me to see anything there uh just tag me and that's the, the best place to find me. And then, of course, over, like we had mentioned before, we're going to see about maybe some exclusive content on our Patreon page. Um, but but consider joining just because none of that necessarily goes to us or even our shows. All of those proceeds from our Patreon uh, really go into our mission of getting more of these great Star Wars books like High Republic and like Fat, maybe not Phasma specifically because they're kids. Um, but getting more and no, more Star Phasma. Wars books into the hands of kids. Yeah, Phasma, you know, maybe some, maybe there's some seventh or eighth graders there. Um, but but consider joining our Patreon page and finding me there. Well, and Lindsay is always a professional, and I will say, don't be a dick. Sign up to our Patreon. <laughs> Check out our live Obi Wan feed. I guarantee it's going to be a party. I guarantee that I'm going to smoke some pulled pork for me to eat and Lindsay to not eat, and she will have to get you know carry out. There will be beers drank. There will be food. Eaten, I was going to say, and we, we will definitely uh, do a little cheer still. And we will watch the Obi-Wan uh, two episodes back to back. So don't be a dick. Help some kids get some books. Or don't. I like that. But do. You should dick. do. You should do that. All right, guys. That'll do it for this episode of Sith Talk. And with that being said, Lindsay, may the force be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Hey, looks like you're done talking Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. 
all these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way. I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business. Go back to your drinks.